Hey, this is Jamie Kennedy from Scream, and being in Scream is really scary, but being in New Jersey is scarier. You're listening to Alone in the Dark podcast. Ooh. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. It's Miller time. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Alone in the Dark podcast special edition, and I am joined by my my host, my my co-host, my co-creator of this wonderful podcast, Maddie. What's up, Matt? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, talk about Scream, one of our favorite uh, movies. Definitely one of our favorites. No, no question. No matter what era we're talking about, the '70s, '80s, today, it's definitely one of the best of all time. And we are actually recording this on the date of the 20th anniversary. Correct? We are December 20th, 1996. Yes. Now, did you? I know. I saw this with you after you saw it. Did you see it on opening night? No, I saw it the day after Christmas, December 26th, six days after it had come out. So I guess it was a Thursday. If it was okay. really, I don't know. I don't, I don't recall what day December 20th was um, since it was the holiday season. But I saw it on, I think it was the day after Christmas my father and I went. Because I had seen like a little a little tiny blurb in Rolling Stone magazine or something. And, and I was watching Party of Five. So I said, hey, man, Julia, what's her name? You know, Julia from Salinger from Party of Five is going to be in this flick, and it's yeah. a horror movie. And hey, the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street directed it, by the way, and it might be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And then but, this... but, but beyond that, no expectations, you know? Yeah, well, especially because, you know, you have this no-name, Kevin Williamson. You know what I mean? Nobody's heard of this writer before. Little did we know that there was such a buzz going around Hollywood about his screenplay for Scary Movie, right? Which he wrote what in like two weeks in a fever or something in a hotel or something? I think was it a, no, it was in a hotel. I think he was house sitting or something for a friend. I love the story. He was like house sitting, and uh, he just he just was like I'm going to write a like a horror movie, you know, while I'm at house sitting at this house. And I think he just cranked it out, which makes it even cooler, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it. it just, I mean, I don't know what you know, what order you want to do this in, or it's just kind of, just going to kind of flow out of us, I guess. Uh, I, I think there's so much passion with this movie, Matt. I say we just let it flow. And I, I feel like people listening, you know, obviously are listening because of their passion for the movie Scream. So um, it's just, let's geek out and just let it flow, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I just, I just remember it. Like it was, everything was Kevin Williamson after this came out. I just remember, you know, going to your, your, uh, your apartment there, and and just having the huge posters all over the house, and you know, I, I got my screen poster, you got yours. And I was obsessed, dude. As were you. <laughs> I mean, and I just remember you. You know, we found that little article, you know, where Kevin Williamson kind of did his like sagely advice, like these are the horror movies that you must watch. That kind of inspired me, and you know, Halloween, of course, is a yeah. touchstone film for us, and it was yeah. for him as well. But then, you know, don't look now. Hey, what's that? You know, yep. like let's let's go check that out. And then, what the f just happened in that movie? Yeah, I know. Um, and I think you know he had some he had some pretty classic slashers on there. I think Black Christmas may have been on there. By the way, Black Christmas came out today in 1974. By the way, oh, I think that's it's also, funny. Another I think it's also an, an anniversary. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's a special edition. I want to grab. For sure. But let's not jump off topic. Um, I you know getting back to Kevin Williamson, you know we were both obsessed. I remember. And we really felt – I think that's where fans that really love Scream felt the connection because Kevin Williamson was just a horror fan basically. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't really anybody. He was just a fan of movies but especially horror films. And I feel like that's where a lot of the horror genre fans connected with Scream and Kevin Williamson because he was such a fan. You know, It was kind of cool. Yeah, he was. And then, you know, obviously when Dawson's Creek came out, I believe the fi- the, the, the the next year, you know, we just totally lost our minds. And we're like, oh, my God, the, the, the WB, whatever it was called at the time, yep. is, is going to have Dawson's Creek and it's written by Kevin Williamson. Yep. And meanwhile, it wasn't horror. But at the same time, we kind of fell in love, at least with the first season, because it was like watching a mini Spielberg as a kid or something, you know, and it was just, it was still a love of affinity for movies that drove the, you know, the narrative of that as well, you know? Absolutely. It's definitely one of the reasons why I felt such a connection with him, you know what I mean? Because of his love of filmmaking and, you know, 
Oh. And Glory Days, dude. Glory Days. Don't forget Glory Days yes. ever. Glory Days. <laughs> Glory Days is such an underrated show. If if you can, guys, I think it, they're all on YouTube now. But go check that out. That's another great Kevin Williamson show that only lasted a season. But um, let's get back to Scream. So tell me, you know, I'm just curious because I love kind of hearing. I've heard this a million times, but I love hearing it again, and I love for the audience to hear it. When when you first saw Scream, you you had like not super high expectations, but you kind of went in like. Yeah, okay, this might be all right. Yeah, I mean, that was basically what I said. You know, hey, it's a horror movie. And let's face it, I mean, in 1996, I don't really know. You know, I know there's there's touchstone 90s films and stuff, but horror to me was kind of stagnant in 1996. You know, I mean, you know, Halloween series just released H6, uh, The Curse of Michael Myers the year before this. And, you know, Nightmare was uh, the new Nightmare Wes Craven had directed, actually, was 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 two years old by this point. Which, you know, it was, it was a quality film, New Nightmare, but it certainly didn't make, you know, any waves of any kind for, for Wes Craven's career, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and certainly didn't set you up for what was coming, you know. Um, yeah. So I just think horror was, was really, to me, was kind of stagnant in the mid-90s. And going in there and, and watching that on spool and then just looking at my dad and he, you know, obviously didn't have the connection to me. He was just <laughs> like, oh, well, that was, you know, that was interesting. And uh, yeah. But and what, I just what was were you blown. feeling? Like, yeah, like, were you just blown away or what? I mean, I couldn't sit back in my chair. I just remember my feet were firmly on the ground and I was sitting like uncomfortably on the, just kind of in the middle to the front of my seat. And just, just because I wanted, I couldn't get close enough to the screen almost. I just wanted to like, just fall into it. I'm like, it's been so long since I felt this, you know, about a, a film and it's, it's just was that good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh. It's funny. Now, how long after you saw it, did you contact me? I mean, it wasn't long. I know we were, we were in pretty, pretty close contact back then. Um, you know, hanging out a lot, shooting our own little things on super eight and whatnot. Right. So I think, I mean, it must've been like the next day or maybe even two days later. I was just like my, I, I kind of didn't, but I know you're the kind of guy who doesn't like, you know, to build up stuff and, you know, be disappointed. So I was just like, Mike, you know, we should go see this. I think, you know, I, I saw it, but I, I, I think, we, you know, you'd like, maybe, maybe we like it. We'll go, I'll go again, you know? Yeah. I think from what I remember is you played, I it, underplayed you played it. it down I, a little bit. Like you didn't, I did. you're like, you really need to see this movie and I really need to go with you, but you didn't. And I think I remember asking you a bunch of questions and you just shut me down. You're like, nah, let's just go. You know what I mean? And, and the, and the beautiful <laughs> moment was after we went, I looked at you and the first thing I said was, you hated it, didn't you? Cause you just had this look was, on your face. I was it so was quiet. Blank. I was so it quiet. It was just blank yeah. stare. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, he hates me. He doesn't trust my taste anymore. Oh my God. I was like, oh man, he doesn't want to be my friend anymore. He probably is just like, what the hell did I just waste two hours of my life for? And what did for? I say? I think I turned to you and I said, no, I freaking loved it. There's something. Yeah. And then you totally took me aback and I was like, oh, that's all. I was, I was so relieved. Like relief just washed over me. I was like, Oh, thank God. Oh my God. I was blown away. I was speechless. I really was like, I, like you said, you know, when you first saw it, I, I couldn't believe I'm like, I haven't seen something like this since like probably never, you know what I mean? Like the closest thing I saw like that was probably Halloween. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, I just I remember see that theater. So it was of like, course. yeah, it was such a cool experience. And you and I, when we go, you know, when we go, we geek out. Like sometimes we look at each other and like, Oh, like, you know, we yeah. just like silly things like, Oh, did you see that? I didn't even glance in your direction. You didn't glance in mine. It was just like this thing where it was just organically happened. Like you need to watch every frame of this. Don't look at me. Don't take yourself out of it. Just soak it all in. Man, I think you know? that's the thing. We were so captivated. You know what I mean? Like you didn't want to, you didn't want to look away from the screen because it was so good, you know? I mean, and you watch it today, it's, it hasn't aged a day. I no. mean, it's, be it's beautiful. It's still like so well directed. It's so tight, tightly constructed and, and just is. perfect. It is. And the acting's great. Let's talk about some of the the characters and the and the actors, you know, because um you got a, a couple um sort of new faces, you know what I mean? You got um Well, I would say so, yeah. I mean Rose McGowan was was pre Marilyn Manson and yep. uh, and and charmed for sure. Yep. Um and Jamie Kennedy was was pretty much nobody at this point, I think. Right. And then um, uh, Skeet Ulrich did he had done the yeah, craft, Skeet who? right? S Skeet who? <laughs> Skeet Ulrich? Is that his name? Yeah. Or yeah, that is his name. Oh yeah, he he did. He had done the craft. But the other craft, than that, I mean, and that's it. I don't remember seeing him in anything. He probably did some indie films before that, but that was yeah. kind of like his big breakout, you know, besides it, the craft. It seemed to me like he just tumbled straight out of like a Greg Araki film or something, you know, like here comes Skeet Ulrich, like this yep. good looking guy, you know, yeah, like, he was from, like the James from, Dean, from, you know. Yeah, from Indie World, you know. Yeah. 
But you know, Matthew Matthew Lillard was long away from the days where he started doing Shaggy for Scooby Doo cartoons. You know, I know, I know. It was long before you know. Oh, we have to go Scoob. We have to you know yeah. way before those days. Yep, exactly. And like I said, Nev Campbell was television star to an extent because Party of Five wasn't a huge show, but right. certainly Co- Courtney Cox was the star here. I mean, yes. she's on Friends, and Friends yep. was on top of the world. You know. Yeah, and David Arquette, I would say, sure. he was sort of a big star, you know, at the time. So those two, and then you know Henry Winkler, obviously a little cameo, yeah, I guess. You know, definitely a, a clever cameo from the from the Happy Days yep. uh, days. Absolutely, and David's dad. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, not David. David's dad's in in Scream Two. Never mind. Um, but the, so favorite characters, Maddie, or favorite, let's talk about favorite characters first. And then I want to ask you about favorite scenes. Well, definitely. I was in love with, with Jamie Kennedy's character. I mean, you know, just, and, and, and that's the thing about this film. I mean, we know how hard horror comedies are and this, I don't even classify this as a horror comedy, but this movie so deftly balances that comedy and the horror. Like even when it goes bad at the end. You know, I just think of the end, you're in the most intense part and you know, there's, you know, it's really, it's been revealed who the killers are, killer, mm-hmm. whatever. And you know, Matthew Lewis on the ground, he's just like, my mom's going to kill me. Oh it's my like, God. oh my, how do you get away with that? And that scene. It's so great that, that, like you said, the mix of comedy and horror, it's like, but it's to like earn that at that balance. point, it's, yeah. it's, it's unreal. Oh, you know? it's so good. But it's in any, a, any other movie that would be, that wouldn't work. It's just, would you be like, oh my God, it's terrible. It takes me out of it. It's perfect but for there's that something, scene. But there's something so great about that as an audience member is because it lets your guard down a minute where you can kind of laugh and. That's true. Yeah. And then, and then they hit you back with the horror. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's such a, I don't even know how they did it. Like you said, it's like, it's unbelievable. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it was but, a ballet. It really was. I mean, it was perfectly just, it was a perfect melding of directing and writing and set design and every possible area of, of, of film and, that you could possibly imagine. It was all there. It just yeah. synergized and it was just beautiful. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But yeah, Jamie Kennedy's character, um, you Randy. Know, Randy. Yeah. He is like, you know, like the patriarch of like horror films. You know what I mean? He's like, he's, he, he is us basically. You know what I mean? He's every he horror was. fan. Um, he's so good, you know, in this film and all of the lines that he has and spurting and, out the movies, you know what I mean? It's, and you tell me Kevin Williamson didn't love writing, writing every single line of dialogue, you know, quoting all those movies and, and paying oh. homage to all those that, you know, well, all those Randy's references. It's gotta be stuff. him. I, you know, I wonder if someone asked him that, who, who you most like in scream, you know, he would probably say Randy, right? You know, I, I think he would probably say that that's probably the most obvious and yeah. I think he would never, never deny that. But I think he'd say there's a lot of negative. Nev, there's a lot of um, Nev in him, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe with all the, the the crap he had to go through to get this film made, how she goes through all the crap and, and kind of survives it. You know, almost like a metaphor for his own life, like trying to be a screenwriter. You know, right? No, that's maybe true. I'm maybe I'm getting too deep. I don't no, know. No, no, no. I like that though. That's that totally makes sense. It totally but, does. But but Nev's character. I mean, how could you not just like kind of fall in love with her? Really, in this, she's just so strong and oh, and, she's and, amazing. I mean. Great, well-drawn character, you know. Yeah, no, I feel like there hasn't, you know, before that, the last great screen cream was Jamie Lee Curtis. You know what I mean? She really, you know, Kevin wrote her as that sort of a heroine. You know what I mean? She really, she fights hard. She doesn't put up with nonsense. You know what I mean? She stands up to the killer. It's it's great, you know. Yeah, and it was just like one step up, even I think. I mean, her character was just so beautifully drawn. Um, you know, it really, really says a lot for that, for that character to be that three dimensional in a horror film. You know, I think even critics noticed, you know, like, Hey, this is a really, it's not just, you know, cardboards of people setting up for the killer to be, you know, it's not just a typical slasher. It's, it's definitely no pun intended, a cut above, you know, it's yeah. And she, she, like you said, she was like a real person, you know what I mean? It was like a real character that people could relate to. Yep. Um, so, you know, so you would say Randy, probably your favorite, you know, I, I definitely love Stu. <laughs> I love Stu's lines. You know what I mean? Like he's, Stu is, I mean, that's a thing though, from day to day, I could say Stu, I could say, I could say Sydney. Yeah, I, I could know. say, you know, I There's mean, it's, love you're right. All of them, you know? Stu is fantastic. Yeah. So let me ask you this two questions. What's your favorite, uh, horror scene? in the movie and then the follow-up question what's your favorite since we're talking about comedy in the movie what's your favorite comedy scene in the film that's a hard question i mean i have to i have to go with my favorite horror scene has to be the intro i mean it just i just can't believe how you could sit there for for 12 13 minutes whatever it ends up being i think it's close to 13 minutes of just perfection it's just this absolutely perfectly 
set up scene with Drew Barrymore and, and, and yeah. a phone conversation and how it just escalates and just things that they say, just kick it into the next gear and it keeps kicking up and oh, it's amazing. And they grab the audience like right from the start. You know what I mean? I like, mean, right from the start. You were captivated right from the very beginning. The sound is under, and then the phone rings. It's just like, bam, it catapults you right into the film, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think I have to say the intro is my favorite. Okay. That's cool. Uh, what about what's your favorite like comedy scene from from the film? Like funny line or probably the video store. Some yeah. of the stuff that Randy <laughs> says in the video store. Mine too, man. I love that scene. It's so great. You know, it, it is just brings me back. The, and yeah, I all, know. Oh, it's so good. It just it's like the interplay with Stu and Randy, but then the interplay you know, of the three of them. Once they he sort of says it, says Randy says it really out loud. You know. Uh, the formula line, it's a formula, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, it's just so if they great. watch prom night, you save time. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. For Just for the audience to know, that's when Matt text messages me, uh, Randy's line in that scene is his text message. That's how I know Matt's texting me or calling me. It's so funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really do think of you when I hear Randy. You know what I mean? And, you know, uh, that's I'm great. Sure that's a, that's a too, high compliment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's great. I think, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say um, about just how good this movie is. You know what I mean? Like, I we could talk about it forever. You know what I mean? It's so good. You know. I mean, just to give you, so it dropped in December on December twentieth in ninety six. So mm -hmm. the things that came out right around the same time, we, um, I just kind of was perusing a little bit. It's Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Daylight Daylight with Stallone, which is actually not a bad film. Yeah. Um, in the Holland, or I think it was the Holland Tunnel, I believe. Um, Beavis and Butthead Do America. There's oh a classic. Oh, my God. That's funny. Mars Attacks, Tim Burton. Nice. And Jerry Maguire, Cameron Crowe. So, I mean, Interesting. you know, that's, that was the Christmas season-ish, if you will, around yeah. 1996. And here they dropped this horror film yeah. in, the middle, in the middle of – a happy Christmas season. I know, right around Christmas, you know. I tell you, it made my Christmas better. Yeah, mine too, you know, even though I saw it after Christmas. Um, let, <laughs> let me this, – this movie stayed on in theaters for a while, right? It was like a slow slow build and then it yeah, just Yeah, it went going. into January because I think we saw it in January actually. Yeah, I believe I think, it was after the New Year. What yeah, we went. yeah. I think I went with you then, yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think it, it – like it, it did okay I think at first and then it just slowly built – and and did better and better, you know what I mean? And I think the word it was like word of mouth kind of stuff, right? People were like, "You got to see this movie," um, just like you with me, you know what I mean? And it just kept growing and growing, you know. Yeah, man, it was awesome. So, I mean, good. even the lines, even the lines in it, you know, it just like we all go a little mad sometimes to take Joseph Stefano's line from I Psycho. Know. I know, you know, it's said from the lips of a, you know, of a of a of a new actor, you know, Anthony Anthony, um, what's his name? Perkins back yep. in the day, the baby baby faced actor that he was in Psycho, and then having skied all over with this baby faced kid, you know, all these years later, yeah, you know, thirty six years later, saying it, you know, in various similar fashion. It's, it's just, ballsy, man. It's ballsy yeah, to write a you're script absolutely like right. that. You know what you're I mean? Absolutely like, right. He took such, like, such how a dare chance. you, right? Yeah, exactly. It's so awesome. Yeah, it, it's just it's so perfect. You know what I mean? It really is the perfect movie. It's it's definitely you know it's definitely my top top five or i would even say three you know what i mean i would definitely say top five horror films of all time and yeah. just like i said i mean the, what how this movie to me i basically think it's a defibrillator for the horror genre it just shocked it right back to this beautiful oh. beaming life man right thank back god it to did where it man been. thank god it did we got like i know what you did last summer we got we, we got, got everything so that many, followed right so many great movies you know not as good as scream obviously but like you said it sort of shocked it back into to the audience's eye where they cared again and Hollywood's like, all right, let's start making like horror films again, you know? Yeah. It made them like safe to make again, you know? Yeah. Thank you like for that. People started to drop some money in, in, in the genre again. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So good. Um, and, and by the way, I, I just, I just literally graduated days earlier from college when yes. this movie came out yeah. before going to see this movie. I mean, literally days before. Oh my God. It was like happy graduation, man. I think it was like the 15th I graduated and this came out five days later or something oh, like that. So awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it was like a nice graduation present just waiting. Yeah, it was so good. Where did we, where did you take me to see it? I believe it was Middletown or Homedale or somewhere right around there. I think it was with that theater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it was the, the new theater in Homedale, right? The one up by. 
I think so, wasn't it? It was probably Costco. brand new. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was probably brand new at the time. But yeah, I remember just uh yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. I almost wish I could go back, you know. It was so it was so awesome. It was so great, but you know, I know uh so many people love this movie, you know, and it's it's just so great to talk about it and you know, I I'm, I'm so hoping that I know they've come out with a bunch of, you know, the Blu-rays and there's that one there was that one cheap box set that I got at like uh Target, you know? Target, yep. Yeah, um, Target. But I wish they they I was so hoping they were going to do like a 20th anniversary edition with some new stuff or you know what i mean but there's got to be a lot of back you know behind the scenes stuff that they haven't had but you yeah, know what i mean i don't there's a bunch to of me to me though i don't i don't need any demystification of this you know i don't need them to demystify this behind the scenes i mean the movie just is so singular on its own that you know what i mean i, I you yeah know. no it's 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 really just unbelievable and it's the kind of movie you could just watch anytime you know what i mean anytime so good, so good. Um, well, the the mask that Matt referenced earlier is kind of cool. I don't know if you can grab it. Matt and I, uh, we both have it. It's the, I guess it's the, what's the name of the company that that made it? Fun World or something like that. Yeah. Do you want me to grab it? No, you don't have to. I think it's Fun World, and they released. I believe the, it is. Yeah. Yeah, twenty fifth anniversary. I guess when the mask came out, because they designed that mask. Right. Uh, before the movies and then uh the costume designer for screen grabbed the mask um and used it in some of the scenes and then they sort of altered it i guess and but they had to kind of give the rights to fun world so fun world put out a 25th anniversary it's like the silver a, yeah it's like a silver face metallic yeah, yeah, yeah which is really cool but and then there's a little card inside that talks about scream and stuff like that um, maybe you post maybe we'll post it up on the instagram page no I, of it. I definitely will i'll post it again because i think i posted a picture of you holding it. And I actually, um, you know, when we get to our guest, I have a picture of Gedney holding it too, that I couldn't show you cause it was a present for you. So I didn't want to show it yet, but, um, but, <laughs> thank you uh, by the way. It was yeah. Very generous. No, I was excited to get it for you. You know, it was cool. But, um, yeah. So I think maybe we should get to our guest. What do you think, Maddie? I think our guest is waiting and he's a really great guest to have. I mean, we're honored. Yes, we are very honored to have interviewed, I interviewed, his name is Gedney Webb, um, and he is a sound designer for Hollywood, and he was the sound designer for Scream, and he got to come to the podcast room and gave me very generous with his time, and uh, it was a really great interview. I learned a lot of cool stuff uh, that was that was kind of fun, some behind-the-scenes stuff about the making of the film, about the soundtrack, which another thing, we didn't even talk about the soundtrack um, that maybe, maybe we'll mention that when we come back after the interview. But, um, what do you say, Matt, let's get to Gedney's interview and then we'll come back. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good, man. All right, everybody enjoy listening to Gedney Webb, the sound editor for Scream. Hey everybody, this is Mike from the Alone in the Dark podcast and we are into our special Scream 20th anniversary retrospective. And I'm very lucky to live in the same town with and be friends with, Gedney Webb, who is the music editor on screen. Gedney, what's up, man? Nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, no, we've been talking about this for a while. I think, you know, probably a year or two ago, I kind of had this in my mind. I was like, wait, you worked on screen? Like one of my favorite movies of all time? (laughs) And I had a million questions for you. So now we get to record it and you you can be a part of this podcast, which is really great. So thanks so much for your time. Of course. Um, So, you know, just before we get into Scream and dive into all the the kind of geeky horror stuff... um, like your music editor, explain to to my audience what that job entails, and and just tell us a little bit about how you got involved in being a music editor. Um, the real short version is I um, I come on the film when the film's been assembled and put temporary music in to get the feel and flow of how the mu- the movie should play overall. Right. So I use existing scores at that point from mm-hmm. other for this in this case other horror films. Um, to kind of get the flavor that the director is looking for so we can screen the film and see how the film's playing with an audience. Right. And that includes uh, the instrumental background score music and as well as songs. Okay. And where we realize how songs are playing and maybe we get new artists to come and write original songs for the film or we use cover of different songs. Interesting. So yeah. it kind of it can start with a different, almost a different, like a similar score feel, but it could be a completely different score that's laid down right. under a film. And then based on the director, they kind of say, okay, let's go this way and exactly. hire this, this, you know, this person to write the score and that kind of stuff. Right. It's a lot cheaper to bring someone like me in and kind of flush out the music in a film than it is to pay a composer their fee and how much it would cost to record an orchestra 
let's just say an 80 piece orchestra in this case for scream. Right. So we're looking at, you know, $750,000 and then someone says, Oh, maybe we should go a different direction with the music. Yeah. So you've wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. Right. That's interesting. And in the creative process. So I help kind of flush that process out when oh, I come cool. on a film. And then my attention gets turned to helping that composer with the information I've learned with working with the director for four months before they come on. Right. And um, kind of direct that person in, in, in the style that – and the things that I've learned from uh, the director in that four-month period. Stings, where to put music, where not to put music. So it's not just score. You're You're kind of in charge of – you know, like the sound effects and the little sort of um, like uh, kind of uh, the the Foley stuff. Are you involved? Nope. No, no, just music, just music. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And all of it. So whether it's songs or, or score or score, yeah. I see. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Or even if there's music playing on the television, you know, mm-hmm. it has to filter through me to make sure that we've cleared it properly and it's. Oh, paid for interesting. It. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. so tell us, like, how did you get involved becoming a music editor? Like, what, what was your background and, you know, what did you go to school for, all that stuff? I went to a, a liberal arts school in Ohio, Kenyon College, and I actually double majored in music and psychology. Um, I like to tell people that music I do for a living, but the psychology helps me deal with the people I'm doing it with. <laughs> um, but uh, so I realized in college when it, music started taking off for me in a more academic, professional way that I would want to consider doing it for a career. Right. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to be on the film side or the record label side. And I felt that the record label side would pigeonhole you into a genre of music and you were kind of stuck in that genre. Yeah. Whereas uh, film music, every film, every film is different, whether it's a comedy, a drama, a horror film, you know, it's always different. And I love that about music and I have such a, a broad taste of music, I really love every genre, so I get to do all of that stuff on on different kinds of movies. So yeah, so I moved to LA right after college and started pound the pavement, and then I became a um, an apprentice and learned the craft. Back then, it was only on film; there was nothing digital about it. Right, and um, and started learning the ropes and how to do it. And um, then uh, I mean, one of my first films was a Steven Seagal film, and Greg Allman <laughs> wrote the end credit song. So I was in, you know, like my first week of working, I was in. In Capitol Records, oh a historic gosh. place with Greg Allman. That's amazing. Recording the end song for the Seagal movie. That's was, like a pinch yourself kind of moment, absolutely. right? You were like, where am I right now? Yeah, and then I realized, you know, this is that's what's nice about this. I mean, here, we just recorded the whole score to the film. Yeah. Um, which is a kind of electronic-y thing back yeah. in the you know, early 90s. And then all of a sudden you have this guy who wrote a song for the film. It's that's really, amazing. Yeah, it was great. That's so great. cool. So anyway, so I pounded the pavement yeah. and got my feet in the door. Um my uncle is also a composer. His name's Christopher Young, and he, he's done a fair amount of horror things. And he used to teach at USC. Oh, wow. And so there was a whole group of guys going to this film school program at USC when I was a music editor. And my uncle was scoring a film, and some of these guys that were working um, – are taking his classes also were interning with him. And one of them was Marco Beltrami. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So Marco and I became fast friends way before we started working together. So when Marco was offered Scream, he said, why don't you come on and do it? Oh, that's so, so is that how you got the job? That's how I got the job. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I almost thought it was the other way around. Like, I don't know why. I just thought maybe you got the job and then maybe you recommended Marco. You know what well, I mean? I think this was Marco's big breakout film. Yeah. And um, we had worked together when he was helping my uncle mm-hmm. in that internship program right. and became friends. And we talked about film music all the time. So yeah. I think he felt comfortable with it being an early on project for him to have somebody who had a little bit more experience and could, you know, help guide him and right. whatever. And right. it worked out great. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. Um, we'll talk more about Marco in a moment. Sure. Um, I love to, whenever I have a, we have a guest on here, I love to sort of talk about horror films. So growing up, did you have uh, a love of horror films or were there certain horror films that really stood out to you as a kid, like uh, that you kind of snuck without your parents knowing and kill, 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 kill. Um, you know, they're just for our generation. It was yeah. like, that was that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I learned a lot more about um, how you perceive a film based on people like Hitchcock mm-hmm. and how how you how he toyed with the, his audience the whole movie. Right. Yep. Um, and even though those weren't quote horror films, I really liked that style of of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so so I, I mean I don't think I have a favorite horror film. I just you know. Yeah. But I'm one of those guys, like, if I've never, I don't know anything about it, I'll probably have a sheet or a pillow close by, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure, yeah, yeah. Knowing that it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I used to, my parents' house, I'd watch movies in the basement. 
and you know i would always rent you know like i just grab something from the shelf based on the cover you uh-huh. know and i'd watch it by myself and i remember the the speed of me going from the couch to upstairs was like i was i like a like an olympic sprinter you know what i mean i yeah. was like shoom because i it was right. so scary to get up yeah. to the to the second floor you know yeah. or to the first floor right so yeah no it's it's uh it's a lot of fun <laughs> it's interesting you know before you move on the the thing about these the genre of films yeah right is the music is very specific because it's got to scare the crap out of you and keep the tension up and all that right. stuff. However, because of the genre, the lack of music is just as effective yes, as having true. no music. Right, right. So when somebody's walking around the house and there's no music yet, yeah. it's just as scary as telling somebody, oh, right. something's going to happen. Silence. Right. right. Silence can be scary. And then it almost yeah. goes with what Hitchcock used to say. It's like what you don't see, right? It, so it's almost like what you don't hear. Exactly. Yeah, which is so exactly. so effective, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's really amazing. And it's, it's, uh, it's such an interesting thing to, uh, to like a score. And, you know, like you said, where it comes in and that kind of stuff is, uh, is a huge part, in, in, especially in horror, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's interesting because at the beginning of the film, Scream, mm-hmm. when – the guy on the phone talking to Drew Barrymore yes. says, I, "I just uh, something about um, I, I want to. I, I know who. I, uh, he says, uh, why do you want to know my name?' He says, um, "I want to know who I'm looking at. I want to know who I'm looking yes. at. Yes, but the and then the camera pushes in, but the music doesn't start there. Oh, interesting. So it just like gives you that uh, little yeah, that uncomfortable hairs on the back of your neck, right? And then it will then it comes up. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So let's jump into Scream. Sure." How did you first hear about Scream and, and the project and, you know, how, when did you first become sort of aware of it? Probably uh, three or four weeks before Marco was hired. Okay. Um, uh, I know that there was a whole crew across the Paramount lot that was working on it. and um, Gotcha. And then Marco and I kept talking about it. And then I got involved and then he was hired and then... So that's how it took off. Now, when you were in L.A., did you hear about the buzz of the script? Because I know there was a whole thing with Kevin's script kind of going around town and people were like, you know, bidding wars for it and that kind of stuff. Right. I did not hear. Yeah. You I mean, wanted... I heard those things after I was brought right, up. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But that's like, I feel like, um, you know, you, you have to mention Kevin because I feel like Kevin and Wes, that was like the perfect combo for this film, right? Absolutely. That's uh, Kevin's story really made it, you know. So um, did you ever meet Kevin at all? Or Yeah, during uh, a couple of at the scoring session and, and when we mixed the film. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And was he nice? Cause he, yep. he always, I've read inter- interviews with him when he was working on screen. Cause he was like a nobody, you know what I mean? And he was just like a fan, like just so excited then, you know what I mean? I'm sure right. now he's got a, probably a bigger head, but right, right. did you get that sense from him that he was just like a kid in a candy store, just yeah. like excited to be there and love loving it. Yeah. Every pro- Yeah. All part of it. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, so that's that must've been cool to be there with him during like the editing sessions yep. to see his reactions to, yeah, yeah. to what he was in his mind. You know Abs- what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, and what about, you know, obviously, uh, Wes, you know, Wes passed away last year, correct? 2015 or 2014? I think it was 2014. 14. Okay. So two years ago. Um, what was your impressions of Wes as a person? And, you know, like, uh, can you tell, share any stories or? I was a little intimidated about meeting him because of his reputation and his, um, I mean, his, his credits. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just kind of nuts. And, um. And then I met him and I was I was like, he's the nicest, most intelligent man. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. You know, I was thinking like, he would, you know, he would come in with blood everywhere right, just right. because of, you know, the stuff he makes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he came in and was just on top of things. Yeah. I've heard that about him. I've heard that he's, he's just like a very down to earth, friendly person. Uh, soft, gentle person, right? Just not not what you'd expect from no. from a horror, you know, film director legend. Right, you right, know, right, right. Um, so I think he did die in 2015. 2015. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, it was a year ago, August. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay, sorry. so just, no, yeah, it's all good. Just need to correct myself. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, a year goes by and you think it's. Three I know. Years. Um, sorry, but uh, the most impressive thing for me about was how in- intelligent and how deeply he was thinking about what he worked on. Wow. And you know, it's like, it's not just somebody coming out of the closet with a mask on. There right. was like, there's architecture behind everything that mm-hmm. he did and structure behind everything he did. And yeah. it was really, 
it was really fun to be around. That's neat. So were you were you there for any of the filming or was it just post? All post. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. So I'm sure you sat with him on some of the editing sessions and worked with him a little bit with that. Was he for music? Yeah. So for I music, would I yeah. would have the cut of the film and mm-hmm. we would work together with the music on the cut. So give me an example. Like what would he be doing in that post session? Like hey, move this track here, or yeah, I don't think the music should start until here. Like how, how did he get involved? You know, with with that post production. Well, process? we would talk about where. Well, it's called spotting, but where the music comes in and where the music right. goes out, and, okay. and that happens throughout the film. But mm-hmm. spotting is that is the uh, is the term we use for when it should start and okay. how it should start. Right. Should it sneak in? Should yeah. it come in with a crash? Yeah. Um, and as we would talk about it, I was really interested that he didn't do the obvious thing, like we talked about the Drew Barrymore thing earlier. It wasn't yes. just always obvious, right? Um, and then about halfway through the film, then it, as things ramp up and get more intense, then it becomes yeah. You know, he, he wanted the score to do the same thing, right? The right. Hits and the stings, and yeah. The, just when you think you're on the edge of the seat and somebody comes walking in the door, we have a sting there yeah. for no reason other than to scare the crap out of him. Right. Exactly. There, there's nothing functional about what's other than the person walking, but there was a sting. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so he and, just like keeping the audience on the edge of the seat the whole movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of those sort of false kind of like moments, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. which are really, really yeah, effective the red because exactly. you think it's coming and oh, you're there, and it's just like whoa, no. But then they get you, like you know, usually a couple seconds after that, that's when the real sting right. comes. You know, exactly. It's like a buildup, right? Right. right. Um, and then the other thing we would do in the session would be to go over songs. Okay, gotcha. So you know where we were gonna end up paying more money for right what kind of tone song yeah like in the bedroom yep yeah um, which is yeah we were uh right before we rolled this we were talking about because it's one of my favorite songs and matt who does the podcast with me uh gus's version of don't fear the reaper it's a great version. um now who did that do you know who who did the uh the the song choices for for the film do you remember the person's name um no. If not, it's okay. But it's such a, it's such a, I love this soundtrack because it's such a great mix of music. You know what I mean? And it yeah. really captures the time, you know, this nineties kind of, you know, alternative sort of right, right. drive and stuff. But, but that version of Gus's song is so, it's so soft and gentle and haunting, you know, all at the same time. Right. I, um, I think Wes wanted to use that from the get go. Oh really? He yeah. had it picked out before. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And he didn't want to be obvious and use the original version. Yeah, and yeah. He wanted to use that cover. So did he seek out this version by Gus, or did he hear it or something? He must. Have... He must have heard it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Imagine the being that band Gus and being like like a nobody, not really that big. Okay. Yeah, like Wes. You know, you know, Wes Craven comes to you like, hey, I want to use your song. Yeah. That had to be pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so. Talk about Marco a little bit because his score is such a great score. I'm assuming his score was all digital, right? He, he didn't use real instruments or did he? Oh, yeah. Oh, he used real instruments. Yeah, we were with an 80-piece orchestra. 80-piece orchestra. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it in that day and age, it, there was a lot of people doing, like, the kind of digital stuff that people do now where they have, you know, uh, synthesized instruments and stuff. Well, and I don't know why. I always assumed it was that, but that's amazing. Yeah, it's... it's um. There are also what we call pre-records, which are, are those synthetic elements that play along on the track. Okay. Um, so there's some stings that aren't just orchestral. So there's some material that's not orchestral, but we did have an 80-piece orchestral that's session. That's amazing. So were you yeah. there for some of those sessions? Oh, uh, yeah. for Because uh, oh I, I kind of helped drive making sure that um, how it's sunk to picture is usually played by to a click track. And right. the click track isn't just you know steady 80 beats per minute. It yeah. goes all over the place to make right. sure it hits things. So I'm the one responsible for making sure that that all happens with how he's, how he's written the score. That is amazing. Yeah. So that must have been a really cool thing to see, to see this the film playing in the background, right? And the, and the, the, and the orchestra live. playing it live. Yeah. That must have been an amazing thing. It's always a cool thing. Yeah, Especially yeah. when I you know, work on a film for four, five, six, seven, eight months. I think I was on screen for four and a half or five months. Gotcha. So by the time I got to the scoring part, it was just... Oh, my God. Yeah. To see it come together like that exactly. must have been cool. Because exactly. I, I remember John Carpenter, I think, when he originally uh, directed Halloween, he played it for the executives without the score. And they were like, this isn't scary. you know. And then he threw the score on, and they were like, oh, we get it now. Yeah. So that must have been really cool to see it really come together and hear it with that orchestra. Yep. And, you know, and, and Wes is there the whole time, too. And he's like, yeah. you know, can we just tweak this cue a little bit and add this or add oh, that? that's and, so cool. You know, it's... it's you know, certainly a collaborative process. Yeah. It's great. So how long did that recording process take? I think it, we did it in four days, four days. That's it with double sessions. So it wasn't, wow. yeah. So it was like a three hour session, then lunch break, a three hour session, and then you're done for the day. Wow. And then you come back. So we did that for four days. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such a good score. Yeah. It's so good. Um, so, uh, the question I talked about a lot of this stuff already. Um, so, you know, just talking about scream as far as, 
um, you know, in the horror genre, where, like, where do you think, you know, with your love of films, obviously working in the film industry, where do you think Scream stands in like the lexicon of horror films? Like, like, you know, it was so, it was so, uh, like revolutionary. It sort of like Absolutely. repumped the, uh, the genre back in, because I remember at that time, horror was sort of like a dying, <laughs> nobody wanted to work in horror because it was like, oh, this is a dying genre. Right. So, you know, where, where do you think Scream sort of lands in that, that lexicon of horror oh, films? I think it's up there in the top five. Yeah. I really do. It's, um. Because the other horror films don't have the kind of humor that Scream has. And yeah. I think that's one of the charming things about the film is it's not just scary. It's also funny. And uh, and, it, and it's like it's a it's a film for horror fans because it gets very meta. You know what I mean? Exactly. They sort of like call attention to horror films and the rules of horror films. And right. it's I you know, that's obviously Kevin's, you know, creativity. But it's like, you know, Kevin was a fan and he sort of wrote this movie as a fan's movie, you mm-hmm. know, which is so great, I think. And I think that's why so many people in the, like that like horror films really love it and people outside, too, because yeah. it has that scare. But like you said, it has that humor as well, right. you know, which yep. is so great. Yeah. Um, were you surprised by Scream success? Because I know it it sort of it came out in December, right? December 20th. I think we just looked up. Yeah. It, it sort of had a slow build, right? It was like I think it was in theaters uh, all the way until I want to say February or something, which is unheard of nowadays, you right. know? Um, were you su- surprised by the success of it? Or? No, I mean it's in, because we had a test screening and it and the tested through the roof. Oh man! So they knew that they had a really good film on their hands. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not as jaded by the success because when you're working on it and and you see it coming together and people reacting well to it, then you know that you've got something that's that's good. That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but the word of mouth part, you know, to keep it going in the box office for, for so long. I mean, the Sixth Sense opened the same way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it did okay. It did really good. Then it kept going, and all of a sudden, it had legs for like two right. months. Yeah, which is which is a, it's like I said, it's like a rare thing to happen nowadays. Right. You know, yeah. especially nowadays with the way the film industry is. Exactly. Um, I was going to ask you a question about. Um, Oh, when you you said when you did a test audience, did they do any reshoots or any like things that they majorly changed? Nope. No, it was no, like it was just, so successful. They're like, all right, this is great. Yeah, Let's I mean the big out. the biggest issue was the MPA rating right a- after that screening. Yeah. Um, uh, it was more about let's get our proper rating without. And that's a pain in the butt, right? Because if you cut the score already to a scene and you have to trim it by you know, like three or four frames, you have to adjust the score by, you know, like Same you almost amount. have to re-record the score, right? Well, that's where I, I, I come in and, and edit it to make it feel like you don't notice how it's been adjusted. So there wasn't a re-record session. No. You came in and did some magic right. and you can't even tell, right? right. But that must have been a really tough work though. Um, I know as a film editor, you know, it's it's hard to like make music fit and yeah. if something's changed just the littlest bit. Yeah. Yeah. When it a client be... comes comes back, I'm always like, oh, great. Here we go. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. But that's amazing. I mean, that's it's really harder cool. when, when there's a like a, a, a solid drum beat underneath it. Yes. Yeah. Because you can't mess with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's just like a loose score, then you can sort of. You can tweak things here. And yeah, there. yeah. Yeah. Fade in, fade out kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I have to bring up, because I know you were an apprentice on uh, Freddy's Dead, um, The Final Nightmare. Right. What, what was that? Like, how much were you involved in that film? And Not a, not a lot. Um, I was just basically a runner at that time. That was one of my the first things I ever worked gotcha, on. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, the genre is just, you know, it's fun. and yeah. You know, it's just it's fun. I mean, because back then, everything, like I said, everything was on film. Right. So they're working on moviolas or chems, um, which are other ways to look at a film yes in the non-digital right uh, in the pure film age yeah and, and they're look and they're working off of a work print so it's not even in color yeah you know so you're looking at it like that out of context and it's so different from how you perceive it oh i'm sure on a big screen yeah i'm sure um yeah it's kind of, it's kind of cool though <laughs> that's funny yeah um so you know like what are some of your favorite films as far as sound design you know and that kind of stuff you must have some it doesn't have to be horror i'm just curious you know oh you mean from a music perspective yeah from a music perspective and you know score and that kind of stuff Um, like what are some of your favorites well that's a good question i think uh again because my my background i like such different styles of films um that like a film like chicago yeah is driven um by the material from the musical. Yep. Right. But then you're in a 1920s genre for the rest of the of the score. Right. And how and the source stuff that's on the putting record player records down yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that's one different style. Um and then you have films like um The Martian that Matt Damon was in. Mhm. And 
that the score is much more atmospheric and here he is an only guy on this planet stuck trying to get home yeah and the 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 whole film sustains itself really interestingly yeah and music is a big part of that yeah absolutely as 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 just like tom hanks was in um what's the movie when he was on the island um uh sorry i i just know that the ball's name is uh i can't even remember the ball's name wilson yeah wilson there wilson. you go yeah uh, duh, the, wilson yeah um but that film has no music from when he stops playing elvis in the car okay and the plane crashes until he starts leaving the island oh interesting maybe 45 minutes yeah with nothing no, it's just yeah that's sound design yeah yeah coconuts falling the wind right. blowing, the waves. Just staying in the moment, just right? Staying just staying in the moment. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And it, for me, that means when that cue goes that he's actually leaving this place, when yeah. he's trying to get off of the raft, it's really Well, powerful. it hits the audience, right? It's like totally something you signifies something's happening here. Yeah, there's right. change coming, right? right? Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, another one that I'm, I'm a big fan of is Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, to combine the fantasy of what he's having on the on the field yeah. and the reality is... That's amazing. Yeah, Horner did a great job. Yeah, that score. That's cool. Yeah. Um, did you did you ever see any of the uh, Scream sequels at all? Or um, I've seen yeah yeah two of them I think two of them okay yeah, yeah. two and three maybe yeah maybe two and yeah three. yeah two was college three was Hollywood oh that's right that's right yeah yeah, and yeah. four was back home back you know yep. which was good yeah. you know four is actually pretty decent because it's Kevin and Wes again right um, and it's sort of they almost took the the model of Scream one and just made it you know kind of updated a little bit right, so right. that's definitely one worth checking out you know yeah um yeah and did Marco do the score for the whole series yeah yeah which is great yeah. so I think I I own most of it too because I'm I'm a huge score fan so I have yeah. like CDs of all that stuff yeah it's cool yeah it's really really great um well I Gedney I can't thank you enough what are you working on right now I know you always got something anything you can talk about yeah I'm I'm finishing up um, a film called The Dog's Purpose with, okay that Lasse Hallstrom directed nice um which is coming out in January uh, it's also testing very very well and Great. it's a fun family movie. Awesome. Uh, it's based on a book. Um, and then I'm um, starting another project for a couple months, and then I'm moving right on to Lasse's um, The Nutcracker for Disney. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is a live-action film with lots of visual effects. That's amazing. Yeah, it That's starts cool. shooting today. And oh, wow. it'll come out Christmas of 2018. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. That yeah, tells the audience how long it takes for these things to get done, you yep. know? Yep. Yeah, it's oh, that's one question I want to ask you. Scream, from beginning to when you came on till when it was December 20th, how long was that? You know, was it like two years or? No, no. When I came on, I think it was, um, I think we finished the movie around Halloween, actually. Okay. Maybe the beginning of November, and then they made prints for the release for December. So wow, I was, that's fast, I, though, right? You should, well, I think, I think I was on it for four and a half, maybe five months. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and they were cutting it you know, months before I came on. Okay. So yeah. it was, it was almost cut, you know, like before you got involved. Right. Right. Cause doesn't that, that, to me, that seems like, you know, November to December 20th. That's, that's not a lot of time to get a movie ready. Right. Well, no, back then I think, you know, once you finish the final mix mm-hmm. and they make go to make prints, they need, you know, four to six weeks to make prints or you can put a rush on it and they can make them in two weeks. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, back then it was all film release. It right. wasn't right. No, no DCPs, nothing yeah. digital in the theaters. Yeah. 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 Um, that's so, interesting. So they had enough time to make the prints to go around. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Gedney, I can't thank you enough for, for doing this. This my is pleasure. great. I think it's, you know, this film is, it's so important to me and to my friend Matt and to the horror genre. So to talk to somebody who is actually a part of it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I first met you and you mentioned that you, you know, you worked on Scream, I almost like dropped my cup. I was like, what? You I, know? Only, I only mentioned it because you were talking about your love of horror films. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't done. <laughs> I know, but I yeah. know, you know, that's the thing. Like, I just talked to a guy from my town and I'm like, hey, this is cool. You work in Hollywood. He's right. like, yeah, I worked on Scream. I was like, what? You know, I was yeah. like, oh my god it's amazing i had like a million questions for you so this is so great and it's so nice to share this with our audience so i really appreciate you coming over and doing this my pleasure uh, yeah 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 good luck with everything and uh hopefully we can have you on for maybe one of our top fives or something we can get involved in that if not let's do it when screen turns 50 yeah there you go (laughs) if we're still around all right well get me thank you so much thanks mike i appreciate it okay all right we're back uh hope everybody enjoyed that getting you uh thanks again for donating your time to uh to our podcast you know it was very nice of him to do that um it was a really great interview so uh before we before we like uh finalize this matt i just we got to talk about the soundtrack just for a minute you know sure since Gedney, of course um and what, thank you Gedney, for adding you know any sort of class to 
to this little modest operation we have going here. I appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate that. He classed it up for sure. Um, what What were your feelings when you saw the movie and heard the soundtrack for the first time? Because not only does the movie look beautiful, but it sounds amazing. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, there's some classic, classic moments in this, isn't there? I mean, you have, you know, the, say a prayer for the youth of America. Oh, I mean, just awesome stuff, right? So good. Yeah, so good. This is... This is one of those soundtracks I bought immediately because I was so hooked into the movie. I had to have everything that, you know, was a part of it. Um, so the soundtrack was great. The score um, is unbelievable, right? Like it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's so, so good. So unbelievable. Um, the, uh, I think. Mikey. The, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Greatest tribute ever. All the time has come. Here, but now they're gone. Romeo and Julian are together in eternity. Romeo and Juliet, come on, baby. And it just goes on and on, man. Oh. But that scene and that Gus version is just beautiful, it's man. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's so good. So good. I mean, and to, and to tribute a scene in Halloween that's in the car ride where Annie picks up, um, you know, yes. Jamie Lee's character. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievable. It's so great. It's so great. It's, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's such a good mix of songs on this soundtrack. You know what I mean? It, it's just a fun, even like, there's like a, I forget who sings. There's like, like a dancey song. Um, oh, I can't think of it. Uh, oh shoot. And then, you know, like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Doing Nick Cave Red, and the Bad Seeds. Red Right Hand, dude. I oh. do that. He made that song so cool. Like to be in Scream, it was like, ah, it was like, this it was like amazing. orchestral. It was like, boom, boom. Yeah. it's so badass i mean that so whole scene good. so good and then you know the the credit sequence that song whisper to a scream it's a great um, song performed a uh, by Soho, i think yeah but it's that's an older song too right yep oh my but god that, that definitely has that 90s vibe you know it has that that kind of um what's that band with juliana hatfield it kind of has that kind of feel to it you know that yeah. early nine mid 90s yes, feel totally it totally fit it fit that 90s vibe um but you know talking about the soundtrack you know you got marco beltrami dude he he just came out he of nowhere right you like know, guys like like joe bashara and today and that that are working that are doing like a lot of james wan stuff and and, and um sinister and things mm-hmm. like that they have a they owe a lot to marco beltrami yeah and, and what he kind of laid the groundwork for you know absolutely it's a, it's a very much a mix of uh, it's hard because it's minimalist. It's definitely minimalistic, I want to say, because there's not a lot of heavy orchestrations, but just the tones and the sounds and the creepy, you know, stuff he creates with electronics and a little bit of classical um, instrumentation is beautiful. Like it's just this new kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's great, you know, and that's the one thing, you know, Gedney talked about in his his interview is being there for, you know, when the orchestra was in the studio and he got to see that. It's just so unbelievable. Can you imagine? Oh, <sighs> God, it's so cool. But he did such a good job. I love, you know, Marco's theme that he added to the to the film. You know what I mean? It, it's I love a movie with a real theme, and he definitely came up with one that was, was creepy and, and sort of mysterious. You know what I mean? Um, so yep. good. So good. It's so amazing. Yeah, so memorable. I mean, just like, you know, the Nightmare theme was from Nightmare on Elm Street. It was just so memorable, you know? Yep, absolutely. So he took that to a new level with Scream by adding his, you know, his own score, you know, and, and, and I'm sure just making Wes and Kevin so happy, you know? Yeah, man, it just, you know, the just the, you know, we didn't really talk too much about it, but, you know, the, the meta aspect to it and, you know, just, just kind of the red herrings and dropping, you know, anybody could be the killer and it's mm-hmm. just... It took a genre that was beaten and tired and just kind of, like I said, it just injected brand new life into it. You know, Absolutely. And I just can't give it enough compliments. I know we're kind of gushing about it and saying things that people already know, but you know what? 
this is our podcast and I'm sure a lot of people agree with us. <laughs> no, they all, I'm sure they all do. You know, it's, it's really just such, it, it's, it's like a gem. You know what I mean? It really is. It's, it's something I can't wait to show my kids when they're old enough. You know what I mean? Like this is like, I, I can't wait to show them Halloween and scream, you know, like, of course I want to show them a ton of other films, but when they're old enough, I want them to sit down and say, watch this with me. You know what I mean? And to see it through their eyes um, and see how it holds up, you know what I mean? Which I'm sure no, you're will. right. You're, you're right. I mean, I really, you know, don't want to sit, sit down with my kids and watch graduation day, even though I may like the film a lot and right. it's great, but right. this is one you really look forward to. It's like like you, you want to show other people, you want to share it and pass it on and just, you know, if there are, if there actually are any people with a pulse that haven't seen it yet, you know? Yeah. As a fan, you're proud of it. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's the kind of movie that you're proud of, you know? Right. Cause you have a, you own a piece of it. If you lived, you know, in 96, like us, you know, we went, you feel like you, you're the, the fact that you were there and you saw it two or three times in the theater, like you own a little piece of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So good. So good. West man. Can't say enough about West. I, I know. Mean, I know. It's so taken too soon. Um, but, uh, he's such a smart, such a smart, director such a smart guy such an articulate i mean filmmaker i mean just look at this film i mean there's not one frame that you could sit there and say you know i would have put the camera here no everything is just immaculate and perfect yes no it really is you know and i think he did a good job coming back for scream 4 too you know what i mean like doing that with kevin was kind of cool you know like yeah definitely to work together and sort of leave us with that. You know, I, I enjoyed that. Um, one thing I just, just want to touch on really quick, cause I don't think you've seen it yet is the screen TV series. I feel like nope. is, is done such a good job, uh, of taking that screen world and expanding it into this kind of new world. Um, but it's definitely something to check out if people haven't seen it yet. And then you're in love with scream, you got to stick with it because, you know, at first I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of corny, you know, it's very MTV. But the more I got into it, the more I realized how good it was. So it's definitely something worth checking out if if you are in, into if you love Scream as much as we do, it's definitely worth checking out. And Maddie, I, that I'm kind of talking to you mostly. You gotta, yeah, I know. You got to get to it, man. It's it's a great show. I do, and plus the fact that the the director uh, cred in the first season, like Ty West and other people, I that know. really kind of took the reins of the episodes. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, season two they did the same thing. They sort of you know swapped uh, directors throughout the whole series, which is kind of cool. You get like a like a you know it still feels like the same show, but you get sort of a different take on each episode, you know, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah. And by the way, I did I, I haven't checked out the series, but um, I did go online and check out the um, music, the theme from the themes. Oh my god, it's beautiful from the show oh my god it's awesome oh cool I haven't even whoever whoever the composer is and i don't know his name and it's a sin that i don't know his name right now but i mean it is just fantastic the theme to that show nice yeah i wonder if they released that sound very very classical very bernard herman-esque you know very like kind of old school strings yeah. and no, harry manfredini ish you know very very it, cool it fits the show very well it's good um, so last thoughts what do we want to leave the audience with maddie about scream or or our love of this movie we want to just, you know, I don't even think that we need to, to you know, to, to convince anybody of anything really. You know, we're not trying to yeah. sell today. Yeah. We're just, we're just trying to, you know, kind of just make sure that, that, and I don't think we even need to appeal to people to keep the movie alive. I mean, just keep watching it, keep showing it to the younger generation who, who's coming up, who maybe, you know, you know, the conjuring is their new thing and this, and that, you know, show them where, where it came from. Like, this yep. is one of the, you know, this is one of the progenitors, you know, this is one of the the basically you know the the forefathers of of really modern great cinema of yeah. horror you know yeah absolutely absolutely so and that double door man that double door thing when she in her oh, in her bedroom it's, it's just just fantastic and that's Ke- kev had that in his in his house right that's how he came up with the idea i think i think so i mean how else would you think of that it's just I genius know. i know it's great it's great I, it's funny i think i just yesterday actually i had left my closet door open in our bedroom and my wife said to me what are you, Nev Campbelling the door? She like even knew. Oh, she? Yeah, she said oh, it. Oh, she's brilliant. That's yeah, great. It's so funny. It's so funny. So Matt, this is uh, this is the end of this year. This is going to be the last podcast for this year for 2016. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, uh, we had a fun year, right? This was great. You know, a lot of fun Lots. episodes. What uh, what do you see in 2017 for the Alone in the Dark podcast? Yeah, I definitely see. Uh, well, you want me to tease some things now? I don't know, maybe. Go All right, it. so I'm, I'm thinking we have another uh, commentary coming up in the next couple months for yes, sure. Yes, definitely. And I think um, maybe 
something having to do with our friend maestro Stephen King, possibly. Ah, yeah. Stephen King at the movies episode. Yes, that would be cool. Yep, I, I definitely would see that as well. And maybe uh, maybe another survey episode. You know, those are always fun. Maybe we'll have to bring somebody else in for the survey episode. Um, yeah. What, what else? I'd love to get Rochelle back, you know, for an episode. Uh, we haven't talked to her in a while, but it'd be great to catch up with her and do a fun episode with her her kind of snooty tastes, you know, <laughs> in horror. <laughs> I love her, but she's got a little uh, little snooty vibe. Um, yeah, so that'll be good, man. It's a lot a lot to look forward to, you know. There's there's tons of movies still out there, you know. There's lots of stuff to discover. And uh, yeah, man. Yeah, hopefully we will discover some, and hopefully our audience will and share it with us, you know. So it'll be good. So Matt, you want to, uh, this is like a tradition. You want to leave us with anything? If you find yourself alone in the dark, pretend it's December 20th, 1996. You have been magically transported back to the cinema. A masterpiece is about to unspool. So don't be a fool. Watch and enjoy. Scream. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, wherever you're celebrating. We will we'll talk to you in 2017, right, Matty? Yeah, definitely, man. Take care, everybody. Enjoy. All right. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Good evening. The place is cursed. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. It's Miller time. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at.